Welcome to Japan by River Cruise with your hosts, Ollie and Bobby. I'm Bobby Judo calling in from southwestern Japan. And I'm Ollie Horn calling in from southwestern United Kingdom. So today we'll be discussing Aziz Ansari's new special, which I was in the audience for uh, in his Japan taping. Uh, and as always, we're going to be taking an in-depth look at the world of Japanese river cruises, including this week's river cruise recommendation. Ali? Yes, this week I'll be recommending a river cruise in Kobe, which after a spate of suicides, the company behind the cruise has promised to introduce a belt and braces approach to passenger safety. But we ask, given the circumstances, should you be giving vulnerable adults belts? That is a good question. And also, automation is threatening jobs in a lot of industries in Japan, but we'll be taking a look at why in the coming years a lot of river cruise passengers might be robots. But first, Soap Dog. <laughs> Soap Talk time. Bobby, why do we call it Soap Talk? We call it Soap Talk because your Japanese is bad. What do I say? You say uh, Soap Talk. Which small is talk, second... Small... No, yeah, that's that's Soap Talk. Small Talk is Seken Banashi. Seken, seken Banashi. What's your, what do you got this week, Ali? Uh, well, I've got uh, bad news this week, I'm afraid, because uh, I... Um, did a preview of my show, uh, Pig in Japan, which uh, I'm taking to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival next week. And it was one of my final previews and really important one. Uh, I drove four hours to the Buxton Fringe, um, where a series of administrative errors meant that um, there were a total of six tickets sold, um, mainly because the ticket selling link apparently wasn't online. But it's fine, right? You can do a preview of six people. Um, now, to give a bit of context, the Buxton Fringe is a very well-run fringe, and one of the things that they promise is every show gets reviewed by one of their reviewers. Now, my uh, my feelings about reviews are there's no advantage in getting a good review from a publication that nobody reads, and I'm not. Uh, what happened? That, like, there's there's no such there's no such thing as bad publicity. Well, I suppose that what that means is right. If if a big newspaper or a big publication writes something bad about you, at least your name is in front of loads of eyeballs. But the opposite is not true. That if a if a publication that no one reads writes something good about you, no one reads it. There's no point, right? So the risk is if the publication writes a bad review about you, because that's what you don't want, right? Because then then your just name is googled, and so you know people will will eventually find it. So basically. Right. I was uh, I was expecting the reviewer would have been really obvious because there was only six tickets and the reviewer would have been there. I start the show at 9.15, which is uh, after the previous show finished at 9. And it was all going like surprisingly well. The people that were there were really, really up for it. And <laughs> I, I like how you're always impressed at your own success. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, they, they, they really... They really got behind me, and uh, and I was thinking I could I could pull this off. I could I could definitely get through this show, and it would have been worthwhile. Then at nine twenty, so five minutes after I start, a lady walks in with a notepad and a pen and sits down right at the very back. Now, yeah. anyone that performs comedy knows that having one audience member that's kind of sat far away from the rest of the group is just annoying because you kind of need to keep you know yeah it throws up the dynamic to... yeah right. And so, and I was so sure she was the reviewer. And another thing I feel about reviewers is, at the very, if you're going to come and review the show, they get free tickets. You've got to turn up on time, right? You've got to turn up on time because, uh, number one, it's distracting having someone come in late, right? Number two, if you're going to review the show, you need to watch the whole show. And I start the show with something which is important that you kind of know about in order to understand the end of the show. And also, I think it's just common courtesy, right? Uh, and so, I was really annoyed when I saw the reviewer walk in. Um, 
at 9.20 when the show was starting at 9.15. And so I kind of paused proceedings because everyone kind of looked around wondering who it was. And I said, oh, hello, welcome. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're going to take a seat, come and, come and take a seat a bit further forward. And she goes, oh, no, I'm okay. I went, right. Um, you don't happen to be the reviewer, are you? You're not reviewing the show? And she went, oh, I might be. I said, um, well, in that case, and I'm really sorry to say this, but I'm going to respectfully ask that you um, that you leave the show because the show's already started. I don't think you'll be able to, <laughs> to write a review. Which was, what the, uh, the hell is wrong with you? Right. Because, right, I panicked in the moment and I just thought she was already being difficult by not wanting to move forward, right? Okay. And she was being really cagey about going, oh, I might be the reviewer when she clearly was. Well, who comes to a show, you know, by themselves, you know, carrying nothing else but a, but a notebook? So wait, so, and, so your, your philosophy here is that, that if she doesn't see the entire show she can't write a, a good review so you should do whatever you can to ensure that she writes the worst precisely. review no to, <laughs> to ensure that she writes no review because what i know no no she'll she'll go she'll go this comic is the worst person i've ever met well okay well i said it in a very charming way um and uh i kind of had the audience on side right um in the sense that i was like i'm really the sorry this is a little bit distracting you had the, the, the other, other six, six audience, yeah. people on side yeah they were all on side. So, uh, I and she went, are you serious? I said, yeah, look, I'm really sorry, but, you know, the, the show's already started. Um, I, you know, I, I'd kind of prefer it if I just if I just played to these people who have bought tickets. And she was kind of a bit understanding, but she just kind of left right away. Then I carried on with the show. I briefly explained to the audience, look, the reason, I'm do the reason I did that is I, if she was there and she just wanted to watch the show, that would have been fine. But if she stayed till the end, she would have written a review. That review, I don't feel, would have been reflective of the entire show. Um, I don't. I, I think that she owes you the respect to turn up on time just like everyone else did. And so I got a bit of a round of applause from the audience. They kind of, they got my explanation. There was another comic in the room, Andy Quirk, who was giving me this look as if to go, I don't know if what you've done is an absolutely brilliant ballsy move or a real dickish thing to do. Um, and, and I even called him out on it. I said, I know the look you're giving me and you're, you're basically waiting till the end of the show to see if the show is good enough uh, to watch. Can I, can I, can uh, I weigh in? Because I don't think it was brilliant or ballsy or dickish. I just think it was dumb. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> you'll find out why it was. Because... Uh, then at 9.25, after I just got the audience back on side, then I uh, saw another person walked in the room, this time also a single uh, person on their own, a, a woman carrying a notebook. And then I joked, went, oh, not another reviewer, right? The audience, oh, that's felt, audience found that really funny. And she yeah. went, uh, yeah, there's only one of us. I said, right, okay. I said, are you here to review the show? She said, yes. Have I come a bit, have I come a bit late? I said, yeah, ten minutes late. What time did you think the show was due to start? She went, uh, nine. Well, nine thirty. That's what. That's the published start time. I said, right, okay. And at this point, I could just see the penny dropping on all of the other six audience members. That what I'd done was kick out an innocent paying audience member. She was not the reviewer. She absolutely couldn't have been the reviewer because the actual reviewer came in and said, "There's only one of us. It's me tonight." Like the, the, that could the, that that lady couldn't have been a reviewer. So, so when you I said, are, was, so, so yeah. when you said, are you reviewing? And she said, I might be. That wasn't like a reviewer being cagey. That was like an audience member being like, a comedian has said something to me. I'm gonna try to be funny back. Exactly, and that backfired oh. majorly on her because um, turns out she had bought a ticket. And uh, bless her, I don't know anything about her, and I doubt she's listening because if she ever was a fan, she definitely now isn't. Because uh, I've just gratuitously kicked her out of a show that she turned up 10 minutes early for published start time apparently was 9 30 but we sold so few tickets i was like well this must be everyone uh 
so and then the reviewer then i didn't have the heart to kick out a second reviewer so so i was like well she better stay uh <laughs> and so then then she does she she does end up writing writing a review of the show um so just to clarify uh when you kicked somebody out for being five minutes late because when they didn't see your first five minutes which i'm pretty sure it was just you filling filling space <laughs> Yeah, because that was so crucial to understanding the end of the show. You did yeah. it because you have this principled stand. You believe yeah. that somebody who yeah. doesn't show up to see the entirety of the show, yeah, and then show. write a review about it. Yeah, yeah. It, like that's unacceptable. And so you kick somebody out of five minutes, and then someone came in significantly later than that, and later than that, yeah. And you were like, forget that principle. Yes, because the audience at this point um, were really. I, I didn't think. I didn't think I could get away with kicking two reviewers out, uh, and so I just said, "Look, you better stay." <laughs> I also found out the reviewers were unpaid, and I was like, "That's awful. Let me buy you a drink." And she was like, "I can't. I can't let you do that." And I was like, "Oh, that's backfired." Um, then the review came out. I wish I. Ha I wish I'd got the. Um, I wish I got the review up up on the screen. Um, but but basically, it it wasn't a bad review. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't a good review. So it was just it was just one of, I mean also this is very telling, right? I've just Googled Buxton Fringe Ollie Horn review and I I can't even find it. So that just shows how, <laughs> how this was a non problem in the first place. <laughs> that even I actively looking for this review can't even find it. Uh, yeah. So well, yeah, that's... now that we've mentioned it in the podcast, uh we pre listed in the keywords in the podcast, you can Google it again and you still won't find it. We've got some messages actually this week, Ollie. Uh, How on earth have message. people messaged us? People are listening it, to this podcast, apparently. Could it be the new section I added to the website where you can send us a message? Maybe that works. You can. You can absolutely send us a message from our website at japanbyrivercruise.com. But please don't. Yeah, we'd rather you didn't. Like, so. Just don't. Uh, we've got some messages. We've got one from Piano Man Daryl. Uh, Piano Man Daryl says, Hi, Bobby. I've been listening to your podcast with Ali. It's pretty good fun. I'm a bit worried that the wrong people, i.e. industry people, will listen, but I guess oh, that's... Oh, Japan by River Cruise people. Of course, yeah. I mean, he he, um, he clearly means people in the River Cruise industry. Um, well, that is our target audience, Daryl. Yeah, you know, I mean, we have said some things that uh, could be considered critical, and you know that Japan is super sensitive to criticism, um, yeah. especially when you're talking about behind-the-scenes stuff, especially when you're talking about anything that could be construed as a criticism of an industry that you work in, you could definitely be a little bit risky. Um, but I honestly think that at some point, you know, we could be the mouthpiece that affects positive change and improvement in the river cruise industry, which is really what we want to do. Well, precisely. I think the river cruise industry has been under a rock for all these years. And, you know, yeah. obviously there's been, there's been two or three Louis through documentaries that there was the, that, that week of NHK, uh, documentaries and specials that they did that they, they did that that live um the first ever 4k broadcast wasn't it, it was from a river cruise yeah kawakudari no ishu kan banzai yeah and obviously you know there's a couple of university faculties that i guess are, are, are doing some kind of academic research but that never really makes it into the mainstream so i i, I stand by our decision to shine a light uh, on the industry and i think we're doing so yeah. in, in, in a balanced way i want to create a dialogue around it uh, although i will say 
in a limited way because we did get another message from Brian in Fukuoka who uh, who wanted to recommend a he gave us kind of a really detailed review of his experience on a river cruise in Yanagawa <laughs> and yeah um, Brian what the fuck man seriously That's like we point. recommend the river cruises I read everything yeah. you had to say about Yanagawa and all I have to say is Yanagawa more like Iyanagawa very good. That's a um, no Japanese thank pun. you. Yeah, meaning no, no thank you. Yeah. No yeah. Get that shit out of here. We recommend the river cruises, man. Um okay, well uh, um, and if, also, anyone, if anyone yeah, would like, like to email in to not eat, to not recommend a river cruise. If there's any rec- river cruises which you would not recommend, we're very happy to receive those emails. But in terms of positive recommendations, I think you should probably leave that to us. Yeah. Japanbyrivercruise.com. It has a little feature where you can send us a message, but don't. I mean, we will read it on air and respond to it, but like don't don't it's 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 a bit pathetic good um well uh let's not hope that there are any, many more messages to come um unless there's like we, you know, we will read them on air though but don't don't or yeah no don't um in that case bobby i think it's time for the news <laughs> bobby what's our japan related news this week Okay, so uh, Aziz Ansari, uh, we are both stand-up comedians. We enjoy stand-up comedy. We watch a lot of stand-up comedy. Aziz Ansari is a comedian that we've both followed, and he's released a new stand-up special. It's kind of his comeback tour. It's kind of his apology tour uh, after being accused of sexual misconduct. And the new special is out on Netflix. Did you watch it? Yeah, I did. Uh, I, I caught it a couple of days ago. Um, I, I watched the first half, fell asleep during it, and then caught up with the second half. Um, like you I said, you I, know, a, a negative review on something that nobody knows about doesn't really matter, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so the reason the reason that uh, this is on our podcast is because he taped this special in locations all over the world, and the final cut was like completely 100% from a show filmed in New York, but he also filmed an entire show in Tokyo. And I was there in the audience for that show in Tokyo. And this was in Good Heavens, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in Good Heavens, which we both uh, performed in. It's where they do Tokyo Roast Battle. Um, did I mention I'm, I'm the, run by Paul. The, the reigning uh, Tokyo Roast Battle championship title holder, which is definitely oh, you, a real you, thing. Yeah, you haven't mentioned it on this podcast, but I'm really glad you did. Uh, and I yeah. hope um, I hope this has worked so, out well for you. This is a room that we both performed in, and we both know what it's like to destroy in this room. Uh, and he performed there. It's a great there. room. It's a fantastic room. He performed to a packed house two nights we, in a we row. We should just set the scene. It's just It holds 80 people, 100 people tops. There's no real race stage. It's a very, very low race stage. Uh, and it's, it's a British pub. So people are kind yeah. of crammed in. A hundred people at capacity, standing room only. Uh, when he performed, I want to say there were like 120 people in the room. He, oh, he sure, packed yeah, it out for two nights in a row, three studies. shows. Yeah. Um, I, Did they do the weird camera thing? Well, you the, know, what, like having, having a cameraman like on the stage, oh. really close up to his face in an, in an arrogant... In the special, there's a guy who wears this whole camera apparatus that that he gets like right up in his face. Uh, they did not do that. They filmed. They had three or four cameras throughout, like placed in different places around the room, and they did film. But 
I want to start by saying, like, like I, I paid for tickets for myself and my friend who always lets me stay at his place when we go to Tokyo. Um, I debated whether or not I wanted to go to the show because of the sexual misconduct allegations, because of, you know, he, he got Do caught up in your sexual the... misconduct allegations or, or is his and Zari's sexual misconduct allegations? Uh, mostly his. Yeah. Mo- okay. Mostly his. I mean, mine, mine were not severe <laughs> enough that I couldn't afford the tickets, but mostly right. his. Um, <laughs> but for me, when I, what I ultimately decided was number one, like if it was like a Louis CK show who used to be my all time favorite comedian, I, I saw him uh, live a couple of times in America before all of that. It's mesmerizing, isn't it? If he oh, had come Louis to CK Tokyo, he's brilliant. He's great. But post me too, if he had come to Tokyo and been doing a show in good heavens, I would not have paid and I would not have gone because he's a dude who was, was, called out for a pattern of behavior from multiple people there's no doubt in my mind that he did something wrong that he he did something terrible and has been not appropriately apologetic for it and so if it were someone like him i wouldn't have gone i like if he came tomorrow i wouldn't go but aziz ansari it wasn't multiple allegations it wasn't like a pattern of behavior and if it was, definitely more people would have come out. But he was accused by one woman of something that was not illegal, but also was not okay. And ultimately what I feel about, without rehashing his entire accusation, is that my general feeling is that men are, women are too socially conditioned to give in to men who don't give up. And men are too socially conditioned to ignore women's attempts to to reject to them. No. To say no. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because it's um, the social it, yeah. the paradigm when a man is courting a woman to say, Well, he just needs to try harder. He needs to declare his love in, in a in an even bigger way. Or, you know, she's only yeah. saying no until she says yes. It's like it's like a man has not, to trick a woman. Not giving up will be rewarded. Right? Right. And that's actually seen in a very broader sense as a romantic gesture to kind of yeah. to, to go the extra mile to be persistent. Um, and so while he, he didn't do anything that I, I think is like criminally prosecutable in a court of law, uh, which is your area of expertise, um, but that and river cruises. he did do something that I think is wrong uh, in a way that that made a lot of people reconsider their own dating history, their own sexual history, their own romantic history. And so I wanted to see how he would deal with it. I, I wanted to see, I, this is his apology tour. He's got to be addressing it on stage. He's not going to be Louis CK and go up and like not mention it and then do a weird rape joke. Yeah. Then he, double, double down on it thinking, well, now yeah. I found my audience. Yeah. Right. Right. So, I wanted to see how he would deal with it. I liked Parks and Rec. I liked a lot of the stuff that he'd done, and I liked his old stand-up specials. And so I wanted to kind of, kind of see how he would deal with it and what would come out of it. So I went, and it was such a weird night, man. So the Tokyo taping didn't end up getting used in his Netflix special. 
Um, but they did tell us that there would be filming. And if we didn't want to be on camera, we had to leave. They were like, we'll refund you, your money. You were, like, you were like, nah, 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 nah. I want to be on camera. Nah, nah, don't, don't, don't <laughs> worry about this. What do I sit? <laughs> this, this is like one of the few times in my life that I have not wanted to be on camera. I didn't want to like right. get caught what, like going to support Aziz Ansari's special in the case Especially, that you- yeah, because yeah. one of your laughs could have been taken out of context too, right? You, they yeah. could have got a wonderful shot of you uh, falling back with laughter. They could have cut that into him going, well, <laughs> all things considered. Yeah. So, like, I will say that he is, he is, he is a great showman. He's a great entertainer because I, I remember, like, hearing bits that he did in his special that were like, this is problematic. I don't like this. I don't enjoy this, but he sold it so well that there were times that I would forget that and laugh my ass off. And also, so I watched the Netflix special, um, and didn't find it as funny as I found the same jokes in the room. And I think there's a lot to be said about how electric an atmosphere can be when you're watching live comedy as opposed to watching. Yeah. And actually, the room that he filmed it in just kind of looked vacuous, didn't it? I mean, there was obviously it was a de- deliberate choice. There was no set. You could see yeah. the the staff in the background. And actually, we don't really have time to talk about it on this episode. But I'm going through this process now because I'm filming my first special. Um, I, I turned Netflix down. Um, yeah, and, yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> Uh, and I'm having to think about this this too, right? How do I represent? How do I want to represent my show on camera? I guess we'll part this for a future episode. But I I, I didn't really feel like I I connected him. I guess what he wanted to do was kind of look like he was exposed, you know, look look yeah. like he was stripping back to basics. Um, but but I I, I, I don't know. I, I find Tokyo a weird place to go when someone's like, look, I I exist on the penumbra of of uh, of acceptable um, sexual morality. Where can I go to find to, to find people that, that might might call okay. me? So I I definitely do want to address that because f- first let me say so in the Netflix special he addresses it up top. That's the first thing he talks about, and in the yeah. live show it was the last thing he talked about. In the right, live okay. show, he spent this whole time building up to, you know, celebrities who get who get derailed because of their sexual misconduct. And he talked about R. Kelly. He talked about Michael Jackson and the idea of, like, how, how far is too far? When do you cancel somebody? And it was all a way of building up and framing the conversation around himself. Uh, and in terms of construction of a show, it was masterful. But... About the sexual misconduct, what I want to say is is he he talked about it and he only gave the person that he allegedly victimized one line. He gave her one line, and it was that he felt all kinds of ways about it. He felt scared. He felt humiliated. He felt defensive. But ultimately, he felt terrible that he made this person feel that way. That was the only time he referenced her. And then immediately after in the live performance, he said, but it made me rethink my sexual history. It made my friends rethink their sexual history. And so maybe it was a good thing. And he used the phrase good thing. And like you throw away the victim and then you talk about how it might have been a good thing for you. And I was like, oh, that's not a great. And And did the room respond appropriately to this? In good heavens, people were like, ah. No, no. Um, I, because I think... he, he did this at the end of the show. They'd, he'd already won them over. They, he they had maybe already won them over. Which, 
And let me say, winning them over was an amazing feat because more so than the weird tension hanging over the sexual misconduct issue, he created an insane amount of tension over the fact that they had a ethnic seating policy. They had a racial separation seating (laughs) policy. Here we go. <laughs> this, this, this sounds like the kind of thing we need so, to get our teeth into. How so on earth we, did this come about? When we show up to this show, we walk in and and there are people telling us, you know, it's going to be taped. There are people telling us, you know, where we're allowed to sit. And there are, there are Good Heavens is a stage that's right in the center of a room and it's surrounded on three sides by seating. And all the front row seats are open. And they tell us you're not allowed to sit there unless you're Japanese. He's filming his Tokyo special. They the first two rows in each direction, so on three sides, are reserved for Japanese people. And I, we've performed English comedy in Japan for years. We know that Japanese people don't go to see English comedy shows. <laughs> like, or, like, or right, or the ones that yeah. do. They want to sit at the back because they're not confident they're going to understand it. Right. So so you have a handful of English-speaking Japanese people who've gone with their friends or their boyfriends and girlfriends. And so when they don't oh, have... Oh, so they got split up. They started trying to split them up. They started no, going around to groups of friends and saying, can just the Japanese people from this group come sit in the front row? They started going to couples and saying, can just the Japanese person come sit in the front but, row? Hang on a minute. The, the front row so, is about it's about 20 seats. So I doubt I doubt that a fifth of tickets were sold to Japanese people anyway. Yeah, no, they couldn't fill it. So they had a handful. They had like three or four people who were Japanese American who were just like <laughs> they'll, American. They'll do. people. <laughs> And then when they couldn't fill it, they started trying to break up couples. They had a, a a guy who tried to sit in the front row with his Caucasian girlfriend. And they were like, you can sit here, but she can't. And they were like, well, fine, we won't sit in the front row then. And they Goodness moved back me. to a back seat. Then they still couldn't fill it. So the staff and the MC started going, you don't have to be Japanese as long as you're Asian. Any Asian ethnicity oh, will do. No. Chinese people... Chinese people, Vietnamese people, Korean people, Malaysian people. Someone from the Philippines raised their hand and the MC looked at him and was like, yeah, you're like the real man. Wait, wait until you somebody else. It's like they, had a, like they had a color chart, right? Isn't there a thing on the family guy? Where, where yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, not okay. Goodness me. And So who, that, that's what I wanted to say because the idea is like, so it's sexual misconduct, but it is this politically correct this this being extra sensitive to every group's needs culture that that kind of produced i don't want to say that how do i want to phrase this um so the me too movement is part of this politically correct culture and so your career almost got entirely derailed because of that and your apology tour your first stop back uh, on like this new attempt to rejuvenate your career, you're going to come out with an ethnic separation seating policy. Oh man! But doesn't and then that just show, and then right? be like any Asian will do. Yeah, I mean, doesn't that just show the extent to which he wants to curate the environment in which he makes his apology? Right? If that's yeah, the you know, very much that's so. only the kind of engineering that we saw. Yeah. So. So he finally ends up filling the first two rows on all three sides with Asian looking people. 
And then he comes out for the first time. And let me make this clear. Like it was all staff who was doing this. It was MC for the venue. It was, it was uh, his production team. And so some people are like, well, maybe it wasn't him. Maybe he didn't know, but he, he definitely knew. And he oh, also made I, no way did he not know no effort. Like, like the people who emceed him onto the stage, he didn't meet. He, he never, he never like spoke to him. Yeah, it's very weird, but um, didn't want to meet. He hung out completely outside of the venue until, until the MC was on stage talking. And then it was when it was the perfect timing, they brought him on. He, he was on, he came on stage, he left. Nobody ever interacted with him or talked to him except his team um, outside of the show. And then when he got on, he did a lot of crowd work. Uh, he did his first 10 minutes in Japanese. He oh, speaks cool. decent Japanese. Like, like if you're like, so maybe, that's uh, why he's a pervert. <laughs> beginner level, maybe like first year Japanese. But his, yeah, I bet his that crushed minute, though, didn't it? It killed. And what he yeah. did was he ran around going, Gaijin des, Gaijin des. I'm a foreigner. Oh, I'm a man. foreigner. Gaijin des. Where is Golden Guy? Where are all those cherry blossoms? And he just kept screaming this stuff that was like, I'm going to go find the cherry blossoms. I'm going to take a selfie. And it destroyed. And it drove me crazy because as a foreigner on Japanese TV, like, he would destroy me. He would do yeah, so right, right. much better on Japanese TV than I would. <laughs> so, so maybe because maybe we just need, just need to communicate this to him. That shit up. Yeah. Yeah. Like if his apology tour doesn't work and he can't get his American career back, he could kill in Japan. An open letter to Aziz Ansari. Go to ja japanbyrivercruise.com. As long as you send us an email <laughs> that doesn't involve a recommendation, we'll hook you up. Uh, yeah, I'll manage you, man. We'll make a fucking fortune just running around screaming, I'm a foreigner. That'll kill, man. But anyway, so he's doing crowd work and he comes across an American guy in the back row who says he's in Japan because he has a Japanese girlfriend. And the Japanese girlfriend is sitting in the front row. And as part of his crowd work, he's like, well, she didn't want to sit with you tonight. No and way. It's like, he did, yeah. Oh, no it's like that that was not that that's your ethnic separation policy and then in his crowd work he talks to an interracial couple and he's like as an interracial couple have you ever faced discrimination chinese dude is like yeah you didn't let me and my girlfriend sit in the front row <laughs> <laughs> and that that was like for me one of the biggest laughs of the night but like I, like the whole thing was so awkward. I feel like he didn't handle the sexual misconduct well. I feel like his Japanese bit was pandering at the worst level. If you're anybody who's ever lived in Japan and experienced Japanese entertainment, and then the whole weird Asian-only policy. But so he explained it when he got called out on stage. He said. I'm filming this special and I want to film a Tokyo special and I can't do a Tokyo special with all white people in the front row. I understand that from you. a production standpoint. I do understand that from a production standpoint. But what happened was at the end of the show, when he did his confession, when he did his apology and his big emotional talk about his sexual misconduct and how it almost ruined his whole career, he ended on this note of gratitude. And the gratitude was that he almost lost everything, but there are still people who are willing to come out and see him and pay 
and support him and he still gets to do this. And so now when he says at the end of the night, thank you, everybody, he means it for the first time. He didn't used to mean it. He means it now, which rang so hollow to me because what he's essentially saying is I appreciate everybody who paid money to come out here and see me tonight. But for you, those of you who aren't Japanese, try to look like you're not here. <laughs> and um, at this note, can I just say anyone that is listening to this podcast, thank you. <laughs> but don't email us. <laughs>